listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. I'm excited about this new series that we're going to be diving in called Rooted. And as we look at where we're going in the church calendar and how things move, there's a time to get back to the basics and a time to get back to the foundational pieces of things. And a lot of times pastors are trying to put like a new spin on something to make it exciting for you and, and do all these things. But I want you to get to the basics because the basics haven't changed. They haven't changed. And so today's sermon is going to shock your world. It's about you reading your Bible. So the pastor wants me to read my Bible. Um, and so I want you to think about uh, uh, this. This was a story that came out of our sermon club, and I really thought it was really cool. Um, Logan, our other guy who just did our announcements, our youth pastor, he was telling me the story that he had heard from a friend of his. And this uh, person had inherited grandma's Bible. And this Bible was just mangled and had like dog-eared corners and chewed off and highlight, or like, uh, they probably didn't have highlighters, but red pencil and underlined and just mangled and had all, it was so marked up. It was like, man, this Bible has some history. This Bible has some history. And they open up the inside of the Bible, and there's a note on the inside of the Bible. And on the inside of the Bible, it says, you know, uh, it's not how much you mark up your Bible, but how much your Bible marks up you. I was like, I'm still in that, Logan. Thank you very much. I'll be using that. And I want you to think about that. How much is God's word marking up you? Another awesome folks on our sermon club, they give us some different uh, illustrations, and I love this one. I want to share it with you. So we're talking about like biblical literacy. Do we understand God's word? And you're like, well, I'm aware of it, or I've heard of it, and I could probably name off the books, and I know some stories, but do we really understand the overarching connected story? And this kind of is just a little bit of a, a fun thing to think about of our biblical literacy. So this guy was coming in, he was like, hey, I want to be part of this church. And apparently this church had this uh, process where they asked you some questions. And so they started off with a pretty simple question. They're like, hey, What's your favorite book of the Bible? And the young person, super excited, like, my favorite book is the book of parables. And they're like, oh, well, can you tell us about that? He's like, well, I would be happy to tell you about this. Once upon a time, a man went down to Jerusalem from Jericho and fell upon thieves. And the thorns grew and choked uh, choked, uh, the man. And then he went on, but he didn't have any money. And he met the queen of Sheba, and she gave him a thousand talents of gold and silver and a hundred changes of clothes. And when he was driving along uh, under, uh, under a fig tree, his hair got caught in a limb and he was left hanging there. And he, uh, he hung there for at least 60 cubits. And uh, the raven came and brought him food and water. And then one night while he was hanging there, his wife Delilah uh, c- came along and cut his hair. And then he dropped and fell onto the stony ground there, but it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. So he went and hid himself in a cave. Now he went down from, he went down from the Dead Sea to Mount Tabor, and he saw Queen Jezebel sitting up on the window, and when he, uh, she saw him, uh, she laughed at him. So he said, throw her down from there. So they threw her down from there. And then he said, throw her down from there again, and they threw her down from there again. And then they threw her down 70 times 7. And then the fragments that they picked up, uh, were of, they filled up 12 baskets full. And then um, he turned to the council, the people that asked him the question. He's like, and now I have to ask you this. Now, whose wife uh, will she be in the days of judgment? 
we are laughing, right? You're like, what is going on? Like, those are fragments of a story. How do you go down from the Dead Sea? I thought the Dead Sea was really low, and I thought Mount Tabor was like 7,500 feet above sea level. How do you go down from Jerusalem to Jericho? It's like there's a whole bunch of geographical errors here. There's a whole bunch of fragmented pieces of the stories. But really, how well do you know your Bible? How well do you know the overarching story of your Bible? It's almost like that example of, of me saying, all right, I want, to t- I want to tell you guys about this uh, amazing book called the Bible. And I just, just go like, okay. And, um, and the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron saying, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation? Oh, I just totally opened that up. <laughs> Woo! The Lord is here. <laughs> you are not an evil congregation. All right, and then let me do you the next part here. We're going to go right here. And then, uh, thus saith the Lord unto me, go get the uh, linen uh, girty and put it upon thy loin. I just opened that up. Did you see me? I don't have any bookmarks in this Bible. I just opened this up, and we've gotten evil congregation and loins so far. Uh, let's try again. All right, let's try again. Let's try again. Let's try back here. Let's get to the back of this thing. Uh, and the angel to the church of Ephesus. Oh, good. We know this one because we just preached on it. Now, what's this about? Congregations and loins and Ephesus. But part of it is just having a real understanding of the overarching story of what God is trying to say to his people. See, Jesus viewed God's word so highly that he uses it in an illustration. The wise and foolish builders, Matthew 7, 24. And it says this. Maybe. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, whose words are they? God's words. Everyone who hears these words of mine put, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and can quote them to other people but does nothing with them. Do you know how many people like are familiar and aware of their Bible, but it has not transformed and changed their hearts. They want to be a Christian. They're a Christian in name, but they're not allowing it to penetrate into their soul, into their their joints and their marrow and change who they are and how they function in the world. Just having the information hasn't fixed it, has it? Having the information hasn't fixed our world. Having multiple accesses to the information through multiple different versions and multiple different types of Bibles and all those things and having it on my phone and having it in the... What changes the world is when that information actually changes your heart. And it comes flowing out of you and the, the, cup, the, 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 the God's spirit is just flowing out of you because it is in you. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. Next. But everyone who hears these words of mine, I want to stop here. When you hear the word hear in the text, I want you to know that the Jews would look at that as not as like just an audio thing. Jesus is Jewish. When you hear the word hear, It means obey. It means do. They weren't just aware of the information. They're actually doing it. So if you just are are, uh, uh, receiving the information and doing nothing with it, you're just a hearer. You're just a hearer, but you're not doing anything with the word. 
but actually doing something. Anyone who just hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When you think about God, that's Jesus talking about his words. That's Jesus talking about this beautiful text that God has given us. So here's where we're going in this sermon series. Today is about getting into your Bible in a new way, with new eyes, with, fresh, with a fresh breath in your life of diving into God's word and knowing and expecting that he is going to meet you there. And as we go on in this series, we are going to help you be builders who build your house on a rock, a rock that is rooted in the foundation of what it means to be a follower of Christ. We're going to give you the tools to help you learn how to use them to teach you how to pray. Even the disciples ask, what does it look like to pray? What does it mean to repent and how do I get back on the path? Well, how do, what's the deal with my, my money? Oh, well, that's the first problem. How, do we, how, does, how does the God's economy work? The power of worship and how it can change your life. You know, I didn't have questions over here when I was raising my hand. I didn't have two questions. I was like, Lord, come on. I need it today, Lord. I want you in my heart, in my soul today. I want to feel your spirit upon me. I've got something really important to say that you have put in here through your word. Getting my heart right. How about this? Learning how to tell God's story about you well. What God has done in your life. How he's moving you it's so powerful. So those are some of the things that we're going to talk about. And this all rests in Ephesians chapter four. And it's part of my job and the job here of this church. Ephesians chapter four. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. This is God's plan. It's how he's going to do it. And the reason why he gave us these types of people with these types of giftings is to equip the people for the works of service. I am to give you the tools. I am to give you the things that I know the best that I can to pour my heart out on this stage so that we're pouring it out in the community. To be equipped. And why would we do that? So that the body of Christ may be built up. Not the name of a church, not the name of a pastor. The body of Christ will be built up until we reach all unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fulfillment of Christ. What happens when we don't know our Bible? What happens when we're not rooted and we don't have foundations and you don't have people that'll help you walk the path that you're supposed to walk? People get distracted. You think about you know, a, a bloodhound and its nose and if it doesn't have somebody helping, it's just its nose goes and it's just going and going and going and going and going. You're like, hey, over here. People get you off the path with little things. They're like, oh, hey, I got to check this out. Check this out. Check this out. There's all these things trying to take you off the path. But don't. Don't be infants in the text. Don't be infants in being equipped. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect mature, a mature body of him who is the head of this, that is Christ. From him, the whole body 
joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part, as each part does its work. You have a part in the kingdom of God. My part is no much more significant than your part. We all have to do our parts for this to look right. It's time to continue to become rooted. When you think about rooted and you think about pictures of trees and strong roots, I know I've been doing a lot of of landscaping because I'm cheap and I don't want to pay someone else to do it. So I'm out there breaking my back and my hands and all those things. And I'm learning about landscaping. I'm learning about trees and roots. And I planted five trees in some clayish soil and I think they're all still alive, but all their leaves immediately fell off. And so I was like, man, like, okay, like I dug it how I was supposed to, but it's not the greatest soil for growing where I happen to have built my house. It's great for building your house. So the next two trees I planted in the front, I was talking to somebody that was educated that could disciple me a little bit more about trees in there. And the lady's like, oh, why don't you get this compound stuff? It helps break up the clay soil. So I put a half a bag in each one of those trees and their leaves haven't even fallen off yet. They're loving where they're at right now. So they can see their other friends and maybe there's, but you understand like how you plant your roots matter because the storms of life are coming. Are they not? You are going to have tragedy in your life. And what are you going to be able to stand on? Is that tragedy going to destroy you and your family? Are you going to have a strong foundation? Are you going to have deep roots like these pictures? See, we have roots in many things in our culture, our families, our careers, our country, our politics, our homes, our faith. And none of these things are bad. But how we prioritize this time is pretty important. Are your roots strong enough to handle the storms of life? Romans 12, 2 says, Therefore I urge you, my brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to your God. This is true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What do you think would be a good way to renew your mind? Well, it's just an old book. I submit something different to you. If I told you, I was talking to our, one of our serv- servers today in our uh, children's ministry, and, she's, uh, and she was like, you know what I was thinking? She has no idea what I'm preaching on today. She's like, you know what I was thinking? I need to read my Bible more. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. One person's going to love this sermon. <laughs> and she's like, you know what? If somebody told me that I, there, if I read this, I would, uh, there's a million, I, there, it would make me a millionaire tomorrow, I would do it. If somebody told me that I could understand boundaries and not have as many struggles in my life, like all of the things that the Bible actually does for you, and it's just sitting there waiting for you to bring it into your life. But there are things competing for your time. Here are some things that we have grown roots in in our society over the last 10 years, and I am guilty of most of these things. I stand here guilty and convicted. Did you know? that we now consume 3.2 hours of video per day on Netflix, 6 billion hours collectively per month. How many people have Netflix? You sinners. No, just me too. Uh, I do too. TikTok. I do not have TikTok. Yes. 
I am one of those people, but you only spend an average of 45 minutes a day watching TikToks. Facebook, oh no, that's for the old people now. Facebook, 58 minutes a day. Right? Instagram, I have that, don't know how to use it that well. Gus is helping me. Uh, 29 minutes. 29, Facebook was 58. How about this? Snapchat, anybody have Snapchat? I just got it. Don't really know how to use it either. Uh, don't respond back. Apparently, if you snap, somebody snaps you and you don't snap them back, that could hurt their feelings. Um, Snapchat, yeah, left them on red. Thank you. Uh, only 3 billion photos uploaded daily on Snapchat. And the last part of this, and none of these are bad again, is YouTube. In 2017, YouTube viewers only viewed 1 billion hours per day. If you as an individual wanted to watch a billion hours of YouTube videos, you would have to have a playlist that's over 100,000 years long. And you'd have to sit there and watch it minute by minute, second by second, for the next over 100,000 years to do what we do in one day. Now, none of these things are bad, because you know in Jesus' time, they had their distractions, like they wanted to eat and stuff. distractions. We have distractions. We don't know what we're going to eat. I got so many choices and so many options. I don't know. It just, and in the medieval times, they had their distractions too. They like didn't want to die of the plague. And like everybody has their distractions along the way. Some of, I'm joking, but like there's plenty of distractions. We have our distractions now and they're not bad. But where are you allowing roots to grow in your life? And do you like the fruit that you're getting from where you planted your roots. Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's all of us, we get the privilege of serving an amazing God so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. He has works for you to do. How many people like to do things where you're totally like unequipped for and you probably will fail and you're just like, you're just 99% chance of failure? Nobody? There we go. Taking a swing. It's all right. I'll fail for Jesus. Most people want to be equipped. They want to be equipped and you have the opportunity to be equipped. One of my favorite sayings as you think about like, well, what do we do? Okay, read your Bible. Got it. Duh. Doing it. Dig your well before you're thirsty. Dig your well before you are thirsty. It's time to dig when you're not dying of thirst. You dig now because those around you will need a drink of the living water that you have in your life. This is my first Bible. I know it because it says my name on here, Joshua A. Gray. Let me tell you how awesome I did at reading my first Bible. Look at all the highlights in here. You're like, there is no highlights in here. So when I became a Christian, uh, they said, read your Bible. Go back and find a Bible-based church and read your Bible. I'm like, cool. Found a Bible-based church. They're like, hey, you need a King James Bible, and that's it. If you're not King James, you ain't nothing. I was like, Okay. Like, I didn't know there was like a bunch of translations and versions and things that were different. I'm like, start reading your Bible. Cool. Open up Genesis, Exodus, then Leviticus. 
So I'm a brand new Christian, reading my Bible, get to Leviticus, and I'm like, this stinks. I don't understand this. This is going to change my life? I don't think so. New Testament. New te- get to the New Testament. That's where it's all, okay, cool. Let me skip all these other books and get to the New Testament. So I roll all over to the New Testament, and this is no offense if you love King James, okay? If you're a King James person and you grew up on it, this is just where I was in my walk at that time. So I get over to the New Testament, and I start reading the New Testament in my King James Version. This is the book of the generation of Jesus Christ and the son of David and the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac and Isaac begot Jacob and Jacob begot Judas and his brethren and Judas begot, I had to stop. What does begot mean? I had to stop and like try and translate because I just didn't understand the old English translation. So there's nothing wrong with this, but having a Bible that you're passionate about, that is friendly, that you use, that you read a lot is really, really important. One that you mark up a lot, but it also marks you up a lot, right? So I didn't do well with this. These are my Bibles now. If you're like, what pastor, pastor, what Bible are you reading? This is my study Bible, the NIV uh, cultural uh, background study Bible. So this has like a million different Write it down if you want to. Cultural study, NIV, cultural study, Bible. It has a million different things in here. It'll tell you the cultural context around different things because that matters. This is my preaching Bible. I have a very fancy preaching Bible. See how thin it is? It's beautiful. So when I'm up here preaching with you guys, I can go to it and hit those things. I don't mark it up a whole ton because it's so beautiful, but it's my preaching Bible. And it's a little bigger print for me to see, which is helpful. So as I'm walking along my walk as a Christian, I'm learning, like, what does this look like? Read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. And I start reading my Bible, and then guess what? It starts happening. I start having questions. So I got an NIV student Bible. And I have some other Bibles that I found. You guys are welcome to any of these. This is a Bible for today's family. It's a CEV Bible. Uh, That one was in my repertoire. This is a New Believer's Bible. If you don't have a Bible, this is the NIV New Believer's Bible. This is another NIV Bible, but this seems more plain, just has the Bible. And then this is like a cool little pocket Bible. So these are all available if you don't have a Bible. Please grab one, because you should have God's Word. But how about this? What if I encourage you to take out your uh, technology device if you have a smartphone? And what if I invited you and challenged you to join me and to join our staff in a 19-day devotional on the YouVersion Bible. Let's put that link up there, or that uh, QR code up there. It's a QR code. And so this will take you, you can pull out your phone right now if you wanted to look at this. It's also on your bulletin if you missed that. This will take you right to our church's page, uh, and you can add Real Life as your church. And then you can join with us over the next 19 days, starting tomorrow, and we're going to do a devotional. So here's what this devotional looks like. It's from our friends at the Bible Project. You press play on your phone. It's really cool. It takes you right to YouTube. We can add some more hours. Um, you press play, and they're like a six to eight minute videos. So six to eight minute videos. And then below that, you, uh, you click on, on the link there, the devotional. There'll be a devotional thought, and then there'll be some scriptures. I did the first one, and it took me like 14 minutes, and I'm slow. I carved out 14 minutes out of my Facebook time. Out of my YouTube time, there's really funny videos on YouTube, but I just decided I was going to put this right in front. And so I'm challenging every person in here. If you don't already have a great devotional Bible reading habit, do this with me, please. Get hungry about God's word. Get hungry about his text. Dig your well before you're thirsty. Okay, say this side, say dig your well before you're thirsty. 
Dig your well. Like WCU scored a touchdown or Idaho scored a touchdown. Oh, I left you guys out. Sorry. You're like, what about us? We want to say something. There you go. There you go. Did you know more about the Coos game yesterday than you know about your Bible? Right? Like, do we know more about like, what's going on? Social? Okay. This is just, just a point. So what's the best way to begin? You open God's word and you start drinking. One drop at a time. One page at a time. Now, you can do this in devotionals with us, but you've got to start somewhere. And this is a great quote from our sermon club from a, a, a Jewish midrash, which is basically an, an interpretation or an understanding of teaching. And here's what it says. It says, just as rain comes down in drops and forms rivers, so with the scriptures, one studies a bit today and some tomorrow until in time, the understanding becomes like a flowing stream. Piece by piece. You don't get to just jump to the head of the class in understanding the text. Everybody starts somewhere. And you know when you finish? Never. Which drives an American crazy. <laughs> Where is the result? When is this thing over? Well, I read it once. Got it. Oh, you got it all. Cool. Uh, Leviticus 7.9. Go ahead. Fire away. Nobody knows Leviticus 7.9? All right. I guess we could read it again to see if we can get it on our hearts. And realize that you're not doing this alone. Ask God to open your ears so that you can hear what he is saying to you. Isaiah 50 verse 4, the sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen to like one being instructed. You don't have to do this by yourself. We even might invite you into a life group. I don't know. Where tonight, look at the bottom of your notes. There's questions on there. Mitch, Mitch is doing a great job with our questions. There's questions on there. And tonight, my life group, we're going to get together, and we're going to answer those questions. Uh, we're going to have already answered them, but we're going to go through our answers and share our thoughts about this message together and about the text in this message. We're going to read our Bibles together. Find just one person that will dig a well with you. Hold one another accountable. You know, Adam, our uh, associate pastor, Adam, he's writing out uh, the book of Matthew by hand. And so that's something I ask him every week. How are you doing? Where are you doing? Where are you on that? He's writing out word for word. Well, because he's writing it out because it makes him stop and think and pause. And we, used to, we had a challenge a while back where uh, our staff wrote out the New Testament in, in, by hand. That we're putting God's word upon our hearts. So I want you to, to join me in this devotional. Um, it's a great devotional. It's going to go over this, the, the Bible as a narrative as a whole. What are these books about? It's from our Bible Project guys. They're amazing. You're gonna, if you do that, and today you're like a four, and you go through this 19-day uh, study with me and spend 15 entire minutes away from your social media and on a different app, apparently, like you're going to go from like a four to like a seven in your general understanding of the overarching understanding of what God's word is. Now, there's a deeper challenge in this that'll be at the end of your notes about really understanding the Bible uh, in its context from a historical lens, from a contextual lens. We'll go through all of the different lens and it really helps you and it makes your Bible just jump off the pages at you, especially when you understand context and geography. Jesus gives us a great why for knowing the text. Why do, you, why do I need to do this, Josh? 
Because it's not if the rains come, but when the rains come. It's not not if your friend is going to have a really difficult time and you're going to need God's word on your heart to help them walk through that. That is coming. So we're digging our well before our thirsty, and Jesus dug his well before he was thirsty. He's tested in the wilderness. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Of course he was, because he was fully man. The devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written. Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil took him to another place, tried to tempt him again. Uh, and he said, I'll give you everything, uh, everything you have here. And Jesus said, uh, he said, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he's like, over and over you'll see in this text where he's using God's word to rebuke the devil. Now, I want to go back to the text we talked about before, where it said, all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching and rebuking other people into the ground so you can be a dominant Christian. False. The rebuking part of this that I see and that I understand and how it affects my life is when I have God's word in me and Satan comes to beat me up, I repel Satan with God's word because it's in me. And that's why you're digging your well before you're thirsty. Your rebuking is not to rebuke other people. It's to know false teachers. It's to know what's going on out there, knowing your Bible and not to beat people up with it, but to rebuke Satan when he comes to attack you, when he wants to shake your tree and make your roots fall down, make your tree fall over and upend your life. And sometimes you got other people holding on to the tree with you in your life group. You do it in community. Jesus didn't just understand God's word. Like he's just doing it by himself, right? He's doing it in community. He's doing it with his guys. They're doing it in life. They got together daily, as our video was saying. And so I want you to, to challenge all of you to dive into God's word. So the fruit of this, so the why is like, okay, I'm scared. I want to have my well dug before my, I'm thirsty for my family, for my future kids, for my friends, for all these folks. And what happens in your life? What happens if we became a church entrenched in the text? Not just casually curious about it, but you would come up and you're talking, we're having conversations out in the lobby and we're like, did you, I, I was reading in Jeremiah, I got to ask you about this. You know, do you know what Jeremiah, okay, let's talk. And there's all these conversations in our lobby and in our life groups and everything and the text is f- overflowing out of real life on the Palouse. And not from the pulpit, but from you from your daily life. The fruit is being more like Jesus. And being more like Jesus changes the world. It's what we do to partner with God. And we partner with God to move towards peace. Which we were designed to live in. You're designed to live with less anxiety than you live with without God's word. Less war. Less greed. More love. More desire to understand and to be understood. Less about me and more about a we. More about all y'all for the kingdom of God. And this is where we are rooted in it.
What would happen? Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. How are we following him? Are we a fan of Jesus? Do we think that being a Christian is a good idea and you got your get out of hell card? Are you a hardcore follower of Jesus? You go where he asks you to go. You move as he moves you. Don't get discouraged. You can start whenever. I don't care if you're 70. I don't care if you're 70, you've been going to church for 35 years and you occasionally read your Bible. You can start today. I invite you to start with us today. Dig your well before you're thirsty. Dig your spiritual well before you are thirsty. We're going to take our time to go to communion as a church. We get the privilege of remembering what we're rooted in every week. Every single week, we come to the table with our communion. Every single week, we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. Every single week, we acknowledge these scriptures that are life-changing 2,000 years ago and 5,000, however many thousands of years ago, and they're life-changing today. It's, we don't have an access problem. Ask God to put the desire on your heart to know him better. It's his love letter to you and I. He loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his son for us. So if you don't have communion, please raise your hand. We'll get it to you if you're new. Uh, we have the, these things. We have folks walking around. If you need one, raise your hand up here. Everybody to join with us at the table. Another one right here. But we're coming to the table today, Lord. Put that desire in our hearts. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took this bread. And when he given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. This is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him today. In the same way, he took the cup. And after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember his sacrifice. Father in heaven, I just, Lord, let the passion that's overflowing out of you and your word fall upon us. People to hear what you're about, people to care what you're about. Show us the things of your heart. Show us, Father, Make us hungry, uh, have a desire to devour and to learn about your word step by step, drop by drop. Let us start changing, Lord, to be a community that is continually invested in the text and that it overflows out of us. And it's not just information, but it changes the very hearts of the people sitting in this very room, including mine. Please, Father God, in Jesus' name, I ask you that. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.